Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I have the honor today of having Haley Brooke, the founder and CEO of Live Nourished Coaching, as my guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a certified functional medicine nutrition counselor, nationally board certified health and wellness coach. She's been on Fox 21 Fitness and Nutrition. She's their expert and has a fierce industry, and she's a fierce industry advocate. I love that in her bio. From her own personal experience, overcoming some serious GI issues, including IBS and SIBO, with, if you've listened to my previous podcast, we had a young lady who experienced who talked about her experience there, her education and training and her work with clients, she's built this thriving nationwide functional medicine health coaching practice. And she works with clients in all key areas of wellness, including movement, nutrition, mindset, resilience, relationships, and self-care. And her mission as a life uh, nourished coach is to make the life-changing power of health coaching accessible to every single person in the U.S. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited about this talk. We had a little bit of a <laughs> chat before and and um, I just, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear what you have to say today. Thank you, Dr. Sarah. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on. I think one of the most important things that we should clarify is what exactly is health coaching and how do you see that as the future of medicine? Yeah, such a great question. So health coaching is really the behavior change behind wellness. So a lot of times I like to say the doctor is the detective and then the health coach is Yoda um, and the, <laughs> the client is Luke Skywalker. That's so, awesome. The doctor kind of figures out what's going on and what needs to be done. But then a lot of times in functional medicine and, and in traditional medicine too, especially with, you know, how A1C or type two diabetes or eczema or psoriasis or some of these other weirder things, the prescription quote unquote is lifestyle. And so the prescription is we need to change the way you eat. We need to change the way you think we need to work on mindset. We need to get you moving. And those are things that you can't get from a pharmacy. Those are things that you have to go home and do on a Tuesday afternoon when you're tired and and your kids are screaming and all these things. And so the health coach's role is really to step in and say, okay, you know, in order for us to heal this thing, we need to do this thing, remove gluten, exercise more, reduce sugar, whatever it is. And so this is what it looks like. And I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to kind of walk you through that process. Um, and so that's the health coaching is really kind of the positive psychology behind behavior change and helping patients and clients actually take control of their health and take charge of their health on a daily basis outside of the doctor's office. And I think that's excellent because even as a pediatrician, I often get questions like, what can we do? Let's say just like ADHD even, or, yes. and we're going to talk um, today about anxiety and depression as well. And they'll say to me, you know, what else can we do instead of medication to help? And I get that question 
every day, several times a day. And I, I love that question because even though I was trained in, you know, traditional medicine, of course, I'm a less is more and I can, I can give you a medication, but if you don't make the lifestyle changes, that's really where quote the money is, right? Yep. That's where yep. you're going to see a change. And that's where you're going to see a long-term change. I always try to say many times when I do treat with medication, this is almost, think of it as a Band-Aid. So this is just a bridge or a Band-Aid to kind of get, help you get motivated or help you get into, you know, then cha- making those changes. But if we can make lifestyle changes before we even need the medication, even better. Yes, 100%. And especially with parents, you know, parents, the kid is going to do what the parent does. The kid is going to eat what the parent gives them. And so supporting parents with that lifestyle change so that the parent isn't totally overwhelmed, especially with ADHD. You know, there's so many things that we can do diet wise to, to alleviate a lot of those symptoms, if not remove them altogether. Um, But it's, that's the parent's job to shop different, to eat different, probably than they have for the last 30 to 40 years of their life. And that's not easy. Um, And so to have some support in, in making those changes is I think vital and crucial. And so to go back to why is it the future of medicine, you know, most people these days die from chronic disease, not acute disease. We're not dying from tuberculosis anymore. Mm -hmm. We're dying from, you know, obesity and high A1C and Alzheimer's, which we now call type three diabetes and all of these chronic things that the solution for those things is lifestyle. And so you can go to a doctor and you can be prescribed a statin for your high cholesterol and you can be prescribed, you know, metformin for your high A1C. But those, just like you said, are a band-aid for the problem. They're not actually solving the problem. And if you want to live a long life and you want to live a long, healthy life, it is lifestyle medicine that you need. And that is going to require you making different choices on a day in and day out. And so that's where health coaching comes in and really partners with medicine to help people live well longer. Well, and I appreciate the fact that you, I love the attitude that you have that it's a partnership because, you know, certainly depending on what their actual medical diagnosis is or what's going on, it is a partnership because Mm -hmm. in certain cases, like I said, there, we might need to do some things here, some things that are more functional, but I'm definitely all about prevention. So that's why I went into become a pediatrician because so much of what I do is teaching and, and, and well care, which I love. What do you find are the biggest challenges when you start to work with families or clients? Oh man. Um, I think, so I see two, two things that are the biggest. The first one is food, especially with, you know, anybody who is 25 or older, they've been eating one way for 25 years. And then a lot of times we have this expectation that we're just going to change it all overnight. And we're (laughs) not, if we have 25 years of patterns, it's going to take us a minute to make those changes or more. more, Yeah. And so, you know, food as a health coach, we, we kind of work in all the modalities we're working food and movement and mindfulness and stress reduction and all of these things. But we often start with food because it's the fuel for your body. If you put diesel in a gas car, you're going to get junk results. Um, if you're putting junk in your body, you're going to get junk results. And so nutrition is often the, the quickest, easiest, most bang for your buck way to make changes, but it's also a lot of times the most challenging, depending on what your eating habits are and what your parents taught you and what you know how to cook and how, how busy you are 
And so that's where we start and we make really microscopic changes. So I talk about two degree shifts. You know, if I can get you from, you know, drinking a Starbucks latte with 48 grams of refined sugar first thing in the morning to eating an egg with your coffee. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Um, Like microscopic shift, right? Two degree shift. We have just made a massive change in the way that your body processes insulin. And then once that becomes normal, then we're going to make one more two degree shift and we're going to get a high fiber snack with that breakfast to help modulate that insulin increase, those kinds of things. Um, or especially with kids, you know, kids are the, the vegetable haters of the world, (laughs) right? Um, we tell kids eat their broccoli all day long and a a parent's going to die on that hill a lot of days. Um, and so how can we start to build broccoli into, you know, broccoli bread or zucchini bread or things that kids like and will eat so that we can start to shift their microbiome so that what they crave becomes vegetables, but we don't have to fight this massive battle you know, on a Thursday night over, over the peas. Yes. I call that the two bite tango. I'm like, stop yes. playing the two bite tango. And I used to do that. I hate to say it, you know, my, my children are adults now, but I can remember with my oldest, I would be like, well, you're five years old. So you need to take five more bites or <laughs> it's, you know, four o'clock. So you have to take four more bites and you know, it worked, but, um, sometimes, you know, it's like that back and forth and you really don't need to do that. And the other thing, too, that we're really becoming more aware of as parents is helping our child kind of break those barriers of having an unhealthy um, relationship. Couldn't think of the word for a second. A relationship with food. Because you're absolutely right. Food, I mean, we all have to eat. We have to nourish. And, And that is, I mean, bottom line you know, we can't, we, we can't get away from that. So we yep. have, we have to learn how to do that. And I once talked to a health coach, very similar to yourself. And I remember she was saying things like, you know, when in the old days it was clean your plate, you know, and I, interestingly enough, even this weekend, had an opportunity to spend time with some friends that were out of town. And it was funny because um, out of the country, actually, even not just from this nation, but from another. And, you know, they were talking about food waste and things like that. And it was very Mm -hmm. fascinating to me because, um, you know, that that is I completely understand, you know, and we can talk about composting and, you know, recycling and all that fun stuff. But one way or another, what I'm trying to get to is it's it's even if it's healthy, it if you overeat too, it's not going to feel good. You know, right. I love your gas tank, you know, analogy. I mean, when we put gas in the car, we don't let it just flow, flow, flow. When it's full, yeah. what do we do? We stop. We stop. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we stop. And, um, and so it's going in the garbage one way or another, whether it's in the actual garbage or recycling or it's going in our bodies. So there's so much to that layer of food, what you eat, when you eat, what combinations of food that you eat and how much. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, from a pediatrician's perspective, you're having parents who are coming in, who are asking, you know, how can we do this differently? And that's such a beautiful question to ask, because if we think about our eating habits, my eating habits are shaped by my parents. And I'm thankful to have grown up in Boulder, Colorado, and I have hippie parents who fed me, you know, hemp seeds when I was a kid. It was great. Um, But people who grew up in the Midwest who only know how to eat casseroles, that's what they know how to eat. And we now know that's highly inflammatory and and contributes to high cholesterol and high A1C and all these chronic diseases. And so if you can, as a parent, 
help your child develop different food habits than the ones that you had, you are giving them one of the greatest gifts that you could possibly give them because you are giving them the ability to fuel their body for the rest of their life. Yes, absolutely. And also, you're absolutely right. I try to tell families too, you were talking about craving. You know, once they get used to drinking water, you know, getting good amount of sleep, etc., eating the right foods, and you start to see just how good you feel, you do start to crave those things. One of the things that I work with, especially with the older kids, you know, and coffee drinkers or parents and so on is start with, a, you know, eight to 16 ounces of water in your day. And before yeah. you know it, you'll be craving water, you know, and yep. it's like a lot of people don't believe me, but I'm like, and then do it with every meal, you know, let's yep. just, you know, and, uh, and it's, it, it really can't, it, it's amazing when you start to think of it with kids though, sometimes you have to use younger kids. You have to do a little psychology because sometimes when they know, you know, you're quote playing them, even though you're doing things that are healthy for them, then they're yep. going to be a little bit more resistant, but yeah, sneaking it in kind of, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, it doesn't have, you know, things like vegetables, you know, naturally when babies are born, they know right away that it's bitter, you know, it's got a, mm-hmm. a bitter taste. So also making it in a way that tastes good is very beneficial. Yep. Absolutely. So you said food, which I completely agree. And then what was the other challenge oh, to work? Challenge with? things yeah. that are challenging. Yeah. So food. And then I say, um, your kind of your thought process yeah. is huge. So we now know f- the CDC says that stress is more toxic to our bodies than smoking a six pack a day. Yes. So the joke is like smokers are usually probably pretty relaxed because they get 10 minute smoke breaks every hour. So. <laughs> It's, oh if you're going to choose chronic stress or smoking, choose smoking. No, don't actually choose smoking. No. That's bad advice. Um, but <laughs> we, we get now the know, idea. Yes. Chronic stress is more toxic than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. And what I talk to clients about a lot is, you know, what is your stress level scale of zero to 10? Yeah. And then where is that stress coming from? Is that coming from ex- external stress, which is things like work, having to run my kids around to all the soccer practices, et cetera? Or is that coming from internal stress, meaning the messages that I give myself, how often I should on myself, um, those kind of things. And most of the time, I would say the majority of our clients are probably 60, 40, 60% internal stress, 40% external stress and helping people understand how toxic their stress is, how it's ruining everything in their body. You can eat perfectly. If you have high stress, you're going to have high inflammation and I can't fix it. Like we have to manage your stress. And and so many clients are so resistant to, you know, meditation or mindfulness because it has this kind of new agey, cheesy, oh, I'm above (laughs) that vibe. Um, You know, weird people walking barefoot in the park. That's not what it is. It is a way to help your body function the way it was designed, which your body was designed to function and rest or digest and to have fight or flight be a very rare kind of spike and then come back down occasion. And what we know from biology is that people are functioning in fight or flight in terms of their cortisol levels 16 hours a day and, and that will kill them. And so one of the most challenging things that we work with clients on is first of all, understanding how important managing your stress well is, and then 
you know, moving into that internal stress and the way that people talk to themselves, the way that the messages that they give themselves, the way that they structure their own thought process, which contributes to that stress or contributes to that rest and digest. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, even just talking about rest, you know, we're just such a go, go, go society, which is awesome. And we talked about movement. There's a difference there, you know, in, uh, in managing stress. What are some of the ways that you, when you're starting with clients that you encourage them to like, you've identified that 60, 40, and what are the first steps you think, um, are needed when it's like, okay, how do I manage this part? Because I agree with you. I I think that stress also leads to a lot of medical problems, you know, like you mentioned, um, and very often, you know, very often like with high cortisol, like you said, it's like obesity, so many, so many other things. I even believe it, it leads to many types of cancers, et cetera. I mean, mm-hmm. again, we could talk about this. <laughs> Maybe I think you need to come back and we'll talk more about this. But what Thank are the you. first steps that you encourage people to take when it is time to reduce stress? Yeah. So I'll, I'll answer that with a story. <clears throat> um, a client that we are currently working with, she's wonderful, super high stress. She's an entrepreneur, so she owns her own business and she has five kids. So, you know, just those two things alone, yes. our stress is, is higher than most people's. Um, she is dealing with, you know, massive anxiety attacks on a regular basis. She's done counseling. She's done all these things. Um, and she's still, I call it running hot. She's still running super hot. And so one of the first things that we, we talked to her about was, are you aware of when you're stressed? And she mm-hmm. goes, well, no, this is just, this is so normal to how she functions that she's not even aware that she is stressed because stress is just like sun up to sundown. That's how she functions. Yeah. And said, okay, I want you to do an experiment with me. So on our last coaching call, I had her take what I call 10 second breaths. So we push our shoulders down because a lot of times people who deal with high stress yeah. breathe <laughs> in their shoulders. They're like, <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. push our shoulders down, put one hand on our chest and one hand on our belly. And we breathe all of our air out of our belly first for four seconds. So and then we breathe in for, I'm sorry, out for six seconds, in for four seconds. So then we breathe in for, for four seconds. And then out for six. And we did that five times. So five, 10 seconds breaths. And I say, how do you feel? And she goes, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, tell me a little bit more about what amazing feels. And she goes, well, for the first time all day, my chest doesn't feel hot. Mm. And I said, Ooh, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. And she goes, um, she goes, I felt my shoulders relax and I, my brain isn't spinning anymore. Wow. She's like this whole conversation, you know, I've been trying to focus on you and focus on all these other things. And I'm like multitasking on my computer, which is why we don't do zoom calls very often. We usually do phone and I make my clients walk around so that they're not multitasking. Um, but I said, okay, So what you're experiencing right now is rest and digest, and that's what you are designed to live in all day, every day. What you're living in right now is is what we should maybe feel when someone jumps out from behind the door and scares us, or when we need to run away from a saber-toothed tiger. Like very rare occasions, what you're feeling right now after taking those 10 breaths, that's what we want to live in. And she goes... Oh my gosh, I didn't even I didn't even know what that feels like. And I go, yeah. So the first thing we do is we help them understand what it feels like so they yeah. can understand what the goal is. And then that 
10 second breaths five times is something that I'll have clients do three times throughout the day. So I'll just have them set an alarm on their phone. This is what we did with her. I said, I want you to set an alarm for every four hours. And when it goes off, I want you to go to the bathroom. I want you to pee. And I want you to take five, 10 second breaths. Like you've got five kids, you have all these employees. No one is going to bother you in the bathroom. Like you're allowed to go to the bathroom for <laughs> yes. four minutes. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and so she did that. She called me back at the end of the day. She goes, I've had a better day than I've had in the last 10 years. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I mean, that can make me cry. It's that simple. It's it's not, you know, sitting and meditating for two hours with a singing bowl and doing all these things. That's great. If you want to do that, please do. Um, but it doesn't need to be these super complex things. It can be these unbelievably simple things like taking five 10-second breaths three times throughout the day that make massive differences in people's health and well-being. Yes. And I always tell kids, you always have your breath. So mm -hmm. no matter where you are, I mean, I love the fact that she got away, she was, you know, going into the bathroom. So I would, I would really recommend to anyone and even kids, you know, if they are having a hard time at school, you know, if you can excuse yourself and go to the bathroom, but let's say you can't just even at your desk, Yep. You can take these same breaths. You can do it. You always have your breath and it's free, which is also it's really free. good. And it's available because I do understand, you know, there's some barriers and barriers can be resources, finance, environment, whatever, but there is no barrier to just taking a moment and taking some deep breaths. I love that. That is that's really helpful. And I, I do agree with you, just learning how to calm what we call that sympathetic system. That's what you were talking about, that fight or flight. Yeah. And uh, and it's funny when I talk to kids about it, because I'm trying to explain, like, if you saw a bear in the woods, which they're looking at me like, I don't think I'll ever see a bear in the woods. I hope yeah. not. But it, that's what it is, at that we're all kind of living in this steady state area of that kind of sympathetic. And I always say the sympathetic's not very sympathetic to us, right? We need no. to. So by breathing, what you're helping others practice is really engaging that parasympathetic, that, exactly. that calm, which is so important because that's where the real changes take place. Yep. Exactly. So we, we also well, kind of, let's combine the two topics that we were just talking about, you know, stress and food and touch a little bit about anxiety, depression, whether it's like actual clinical depression, but just feeling anxious, feeling depressed, and how our gut is interrelated with that. I think this is something, it's not necessarily a new concept, but I think people are becoming more aware of that. Yeah. I, this is my favorite thing to talk about. I am such a nerd when it comes to gut health. It's definitely not a new thing. Hippocrates 20, 2,500 years ago said all of our illness starts in our gut. And it's just, now we have the science that proves that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is not new at all. We just have the science to back it up. So how are gut health and mental health linked um, in a lot of ways, but to start 95% of our serotonin is created in our gut. And when I say gut, I'm typically talking about our large intestine. Obviously there's stomach, small intestine, large intestine, but we typically talk about where all those colonocytes live, which is in your large intestine and 95% of our serotonin is created in our gut. So when we have someone dealing with clinical depression and we're, we're medicating with an SSRI or an SNRI, those are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So all those are doing is preventing a person's body from reabsorbing 
the serotonin that they already have in their body. It's not helping them create more. And so the question is, well, why doesn't this person have enough serotonin in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> if, if we don't have enough and we have to keep reusing what we have, why don't we have enough? Well, we need to go to the gut to look at that. And it's your gut that produces 95% of your serotonin. So really this is going to be a gut problem, not a brain problem. And then when we look at people who have depression and anxiety, almost all of them, I'm trying to think if I've had a client who has depression and anxiety without any gut symptoms. I don't think I do. Um, so not to say that there isn't one, but all of my clients, if they have anxiety and depression, they're also dealing with something related to their gut, whether it's acne, eczema, psoriasis, or kind of the obvious ones, gas, bloating, acid reflux, et cetera. And so it's just, it's this super obvious connection. So what we do is we say, okay, you know, depression and anxiety is going to come from two places. It's going to come from a mental place and it's going to come from a physical place. The mental place is there really are circumstances that are hard, grief, loss, bullying, childhood trauma, like those things truly create anxiety and depression. And those need to be dealt with from a mental health space. Those need to be dealt with with counseling and EMDR and that kind of stuff. But they almost always pair with a gut health issue. And so what we say is we say, okay, let's repair your gut. So we're going to repair your gut lining. We're going to rebalance your microbiome. We're going to work on some of these mindful things that reduce your stress because your cortisol changes the bacteria in your gut. Mm -hmm. If you talk about those butterflies or maybe you get anxious and you get diarrhea, that's a real thing. Like mm -hmm. that is actually happening in your gut. And so we need to, we need to heal that gut lining. Um, we need to repair that microbiome and that oftentimes dramatically reduces someone's symptoms, which then allows them to access some of these other things from trauma recovery. The, so serotonin is created in your gut. The other piece of that is the, the epithelial lining of the large intestine is one cell thick, which is bonkers to me. When you think about the skin under your eyes, which is so thin and delicate, that's about 30 cells thick. Yeah. So your intestine, which is designed to hold all your poop, your food, and billions of bacteria is one cell thick. So it's not super hard to get a hole in that. And then we start having fecal medical particles and poop particles and bacteria particles leaking out into your body. Mm -hmm. And what happens when that happens is your immune system goes five alarm fire and starts attacking those things like it's a foreign invader. Well, what happens when you have a foreign invader in your body? Um, you start to have flu-like symptoms. So fatigue, achiness, tiredness. A lot of times flu symptoms come with some kind of anxiety or depressive symptoms as well. And so if you have gut permeability, now you're eating food three, five, seven times a day. And so you're having that response three, five, seven times a day. So what do we need to do? We're not going to turn off your immune system because that's a bad idea. We need to seal up that gut epithelial lining so that we don't have foreign invaders leaking out into your body that's triggering that five alarm fire. And when we do those two things simultaneously, optimize what we're feeding your gut to help it produce more serotonin, and then also rebalance that gut microbiome and heal that gut lining, we see people get, I call it the bandwidth to be able to go tackle some of those mental health things on the mental health side and vice versa. A lot of times mental health people or mental health therapy will give people the bandwidth to make the diet and lifestyle changes that will heal their gut. And when we do both in conjunction, we have people who thought they would be on antidepressants for the rest of their life and they're off in three months. Wow. And, and I would imagine that that is different for every person. Yes, very much. So. How you manage that. I mean, yeah. just, just like 
one therapy is not the same for every, every person. I would imagine that the way, so how do you discover what actually is the root cause? Yeah. So we, when someone comes to our practice, we do two things with them. The first thing we do is a a birth till now intake. So we sit down for an hour and we go birth till now, their whole health history mental health, emotional health, physical health, all of that, what has gotten us from where we were to where we're at. Um, that gives us a ton of information. And a lot of times root causes will pop up in that, you know, someone who's been on antibiotics six times as a child, I guarantee you they have gut permeability. So they were on antibiotics six times as a child, they have gut permeability. Now we have all these downline symptoms. Well, the root cause is gut health. Um, someone who is exposed to mold as a child, someone who is, you know, um, had a lot of infections, that that intake gives us an enormous amount of information. And then we do what we call a food mood poop journal. Sounds really weird. Um, <laughs> gives us a ton of information. Poop. Okay. Food, food mood poop. poop. Yep. So we have people track what they're eating, their energy level, their mood. And when I say mood, I literally mean the emotions wheel, like angry, yeah. happy, sad, tired, whatever. Um, and then what's coming out of them. So the poop that's coming out of them. And that gives us a ton of information in a snapshot of how their body is processing food, both physically and chemically. And with those two things put together, we can usually figure out what's going on and what direction we need, we need to take. That's amazing. I love that food, mood, food, mood, poop, because a lot of times when I work with um, kids and we talk about anxiety, I bring up like cognitive behavior therapy Mm -hmm. and which is for those that haven't heard me mention it before. It's our thoughts create feelings, our feelings then create actions and our actions. All of that affects our body, which is exactly what what you're saying. And, and thank you for clarifying that it's, uh, it's mostly due to that, that gut permeability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a great example. This is probably the most extreme example I've ever seen, but we had a, a woman come to us who was in her mid twenties, who had had chronic constipation for most of her life on Linzess. Linzess still isn't helping. I mean, like she's sick. Um, and so in this food mood poop, or sorry, in her intake, one of the things that she told us is that she had been really sexually abused as a, mm-hmm. from like eight to 14. And that specific type of trauma can often cause constipation. And so we had a conversation with her about that. And she goes, no one has ever said that to me before. Um, she's like, I'm on Linzest, I'm on magnesium, I'm on, you know, like every drug on the planet to help with constipation. And she goes, she goes, no one had ever, has ever said that that trauma from my childhood might be the root cause. And I said, yeah, I think it is. And so in this case, you know, I can help you heal your gut. I can help you get your microbiome back on course, but I don't think that we're going to get the results that you want until you're willing to deal with that. Um, and so we talked about EMDR therapy. We talked about, um, of like, you know, some experiential therapy, some things that she might be comfortable with because she'd done some kind of cognitive behavior therapy and and hadn't liked it. It hadn't been helpful. And she goes, and what I told her is I was like, I'm not going to work with you unless you're willing to do this because I actually can't get you the results that you need because of this piece. So are you willing to do some counseling? Um, And she's like, if I have, if I have someone supporting me, I'm willing to do that. So as a, in a health coach role, we said, okay, cool. Let's help you find a counselor. Let's help you interview a couple that you feel safe and comfortable with. And so we started doing some of these lifestyle things to help heal her gut. She started doing these therapy things to help heal her gut. And she, um, is now pooping every other day. When she came to us, she was only pooping once every other week, which is like, wow, 
unbelievable. Every other week, that is, if you're pooping every other week, something is very wrong. Um, so every other day from every other week and all of her symptoms are clearing up because she's not reabsorbing all those toxins. And so I think that's a great example of how, you know, healthcare practitioners, we, we, we don't have all the answers. Like I'm not a counselor. I need a counselor, but I am a gut health, you know, person. So it's, it's a both hand. I love it because it, it it's a puzzle. It's like a piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle. And unless we have every piece, we're not going to see the big picture. So I love that analogy where you just like, we just go birth to now and just get, get the story. And, um, and, and then really then when it comes to what we're going to do to help or what we can do to help, then it, it does, it, it, it's like, we can't be, and it, and I'm glad that there's so many other resources and people out there that can, can help. And I love that you work with them to find, to connect them to the right, the right path and the right way to go, because it, it, it isn't many times. It's not just one quick fix. Like let's fix your diet. Let's fix your sleep. Let's get you moving it. There's so much more. And, and the mind and body is so amazingly connected. And I love that. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, well said, I think all practitioners to some degree are a piece of the puzzle, but we're not the whole puzzle, Absolutely. Um, which is why, you know, back to health coaches and doctors, we make such a good fit because we're each a piece of the puzzle, but we're not a whole puzzle. Massage therapy, chiropractic care, all of these things. Nutrition is a piece of the puzzle. Movement is a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. And we so have to back up to see the whole thing. What, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about this, to, to see how you can help them? Yeah. So our website is the best place. We have a button on there that says schedule a free consult. So www.livenourishcoaching, L-I-V-E-N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D coaching.com. You can click there and book a free consult with us. And our goal in that consult is to help get you pointed in the right direction, whether that's, you know, go do this and call me back in a week, or I think you'd be a good fit for working with us. And this is what it looks like. Or here's a practitioner. We have a, a 60 plus practitioner refer out list. Um, you know, start with us because we'll get you pointed in the right direction, whether it's us or someone else. Thank you so much. And I will also include all that information in the show notes so they know how to get in touch with you, to follow you. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Any last words you want those that are listening to know? Oh, man. Um, I put you on the spot there. Yeah. So, so I would, I would give something to parents. Um, And what I would say to parents is, and we hear this all the time, but I want you to really hear it, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first. Um, If you are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you are not going to be good for your kid. And so sometimes before you make your kid a snack, make yourself a snack. Um, Your kid can wait another five minutes, but you maybe can't. So put your own oxygen mask on first and care for yourself because what you're going to give to your child in doing that is you're going to give them permission to care for themselves as well, which will carry them through childhood, adolescence, and adulthood with one of the best skills you can give them. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again. Me too. Thank you, Dr. Sarah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. 
Make sure you tag us at Growing Up With Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com slash contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.